Okay, let me give you a hint. Mary, of course, was shocked that she was pregnant and she was going to carry the Son of God. She had to ask the question, and it's the same question you're going to have to answer this next year. Will you accept God's destiny for your life, which may be different to what you thought your destiny was? The second week, who did we look at? Mr. Joseph. What was his question that he had to answer? Oh, you guys even got notes. <laughs> his question, which is a question you will have to answer time and time again, and it was this Will I trust God when life does not? make sense do you remember that now is are the lights coming on okay right last week who did we look at who the wise men now the question they were asking is what gift will i bring to jesus and that's a question you're going to have to answer too they gave from what they had and god has given every one of you talents and abilities and opportunities question is will you use them just for yourself or will you use them for God Brian we just heard today some lawyers are using their talents to protect the most vulnerable by the grace of Jesus this church is able to influence and protect 3,000 children in northern Sri Lanka with skilled people people with bachelor social uh, social workers people with legal skills some of our friends are running international justice mission was all which is all about rescuing and pulling people out of slavery and prosecuting through good legal channels those turkeys that are holding these people captive and man, they're getting great success. If you're interested in that, look it up. International Justice Mission. Thoroughly Christian. Today, we're going to take the fourth kind of like personality in the Christmas story. And it's the innkeeper. And the question which he has got to ask, and he did ask, and you will have to ask, not only next year, but for the rest of your life, is this. Will you make room for Jesus that's the question I want to pick it up from Luke chapter 2 and verse 1 in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria that's where the battle is happening right now Syria is also the place where Paul was on his way when he got knocked off his horse remember that and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in clothes, cloth, excuse me, and placed him in a manger because there was no room for him, uh, them, in the inn. Now think about this. It's like 
I mean, it's hard to get our heads around this, but it's like the Queen coming to town, the Queen of England, and she can't even get a batch. She can't even get a backpacker's place. It's ridiculous. This is the eternal God who created everything and came to earth as a human being. This has been highly anticipated for thousands of years. He arrives on the scene. It's a history-splitting moment. Even your birthday is anchored in his arrival. The date you were born is anchored in his arrival. And he finally shows up, and guess what? That verse tells us there was no room for him. Seems incongruous. Nothing in his birth that we read in the scriptures was fit for his royalty. There's no palace here. There's not even a second-rate motel. But there is a manger. This is a place where you feed cattle. And if you've been around a farm where cattle feed, they also poop. So that kid was right. It was smelly. There was no room for... And by the way, it wasn't a nicer wood manger. It was probably a stone manger. Born in a barn. The Son of God came with no fanfare, but in a very humble way. He was God incarnate. This innkeeper, he's my type of guy in one sense. He's a businessman. But the dumb cough... Missed the greatest bonanza in all of his life. He turned away the Son of God. You see, that guy was really busy, but he missed. He could have had, you know, like one of those signs like we have in Las Vegas with a big sort of flashing neon sign, Son of God born here. (laughs) He would never have been empty again. He could have charged triple for his rooms because this guy could have taken use of that opportunity. He was so busy. And you and I tend to think, what a twit. But before we get too tough on him, you and I can easily do the same thing. You and I can fail to make room for Jesus. In fact, in my home state of California, right now there's a battle on for Christmas. In fact, you're not even, not even to use that word in some places. In schools. It's, Happy holidays. Now we're even trying to push Jesus out of his own birthday. There was no room for Jesus at that first Christmas. Today we're going to ask three questions. Number one is, why don't we make room for Jesus? And a very valid question. For some of you, you're asking, well, why should I make room for Jesus at Christmas? Why should I do that? And then, of course... God wants us to be doers of his word. So the final thing we're going to answer is, how do I make room for Jesus? So first, why why do we have no room for Jesus? Well, it's exactly the same three reasons that the innkeeper had way back at that first Christmas. The first reason is we often don't even recognize him. The innkeeper wasn't paying attention. He didn't recognize who was asking. And this happens a lot when Jesus shows up as a common problem. We're unaware that he's with us. A couple of examples is the two men on the road to Emmaus. The Bible says in Luke 24, 16, they saw him but didn't recognize him. Amazing. 
Another time, the woman at the well, Jesus is speaking, Luke, uh, John 4 verse 10, Jesus says, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink and I will be giving you living water. There are three examples of people who didn't recognize Jesus knocking at the door. And at Christmas time, there were an enormous number of inferences and references to Jesus everywhere. In fact, you'll probably see a few nativity scenes around the place, even at the shopping malls. There'll be banners and there'll be carols, even in the supermarket if you listen. Oh, come all ye faithful. That'll be going in the background. Hard to miss it, right? Yet shoppers and diners seem to tune out. Totally oblivious to the real meaning of Christmas. Second, and this is a big reason why we miss Christmas and we miss Jesus, is we crowd our lives out with other things. The reason there was no room wasn't that there was no rooms available at all for visitors. There were, there were inns. There's lots of holiday inns there for travelers at Bethlehem. There were places designed to take people. The problem was they were already occupied with other guests. Jesus was crowded out. Every room was filled. There was no vacancy, no space for Jesus. And perhaps that's a parallel to our hearts. See, our hearts were created to contain God. But our heart space is often overcrowded, overbooked, oversubscribed with other guests, other vested interests, and other clutter. And that, my friends, explains a lot of the reason for why you're stressed and fatigued and exhausted. This principle is found, the principle of this is found in 1 Corinthians 2.14. The Bible says this, the unspiritual person has no room, no available capacity for the gifts of the Spirit of God. To him, the folly, he can't even recognize them. doesn't recognize how important they are. That's the principle. Have you ever noticed that I'm at your place, how stuff just accumulates? How many of you have taken a look in your garage recently? <laughs> I mean, some of you have got so much junk in your garage, there's no room for your car. <laughs> You've got to negotiate. Well, I've got about 10 mil at the moment on one part in my garage. Sometimes we accumulate so much stuff, there's no room for anything else. And you can have so much stuff going on in your life, there is no room for Jesus, no place and no space for God. I don't know about you too. That stuff in my garage surprises me how it kind of multiplies. In fact, sometimes it, I almost want to open the garage door and see what's happening. Because I leave it nice and tidy and next minute it just fills up. Not looking at anybody in particular whose name, I would never mention the name, but it rhymes with Schmimbly Muckley. (laughs) 
Jesus described the overcrowded lives, I think, of most people in East Auckland and South Auckland. Because we've overbooked our hearts. And Mark 4.19 says, They are overwhelmed with the worries about all these things. They have to do. They have to do. I felt like that yesterday when I went to Howick. I couldn't even get a car park in Howick. Not Botany, Howick. And all the things they want to get. The stress strangles what they've heard and nothing comes of it. And this is why people can go to church year after year after year and never change. Their lives are overcrowded, overstuffed. Perhaps one day they're in church and they sense the Spirit of God actually tugging on their hand. Whoa, that was God. And they get excited about that. And they go, you know, in their, in, their, in their quiet space, in their own heart, they go, I need to do something about this. But then they walk out that door and it gets choked out because everything else pushes the Spirit of God out of their lives. Now, we're about to start a new year in a very short period of time. And as your pastor, I care about you and your lives. And next year, we're going to do a little series on how to simplify your life. Because some of you are way oversubscribed and there's stuff falling off your plates. It's very easy to do more and more. In this coming year, I've got a radical suggestion for you. You need to do less. Just make sure the things that you do do are really important, not the trivial stuff. The clearer your values are on what's really important, the more easy it is to whittle down what you're not going to do. And therefore, you'll make a difference for eternity. It's very easy for other things to crowd out God in your life. Those things can be things like your career. They can be your own goals. They can be relationship and hobbies. They're all good things. But the truth is, you can be distracted by good things and thereby miss Jesus. A good example of this is where Mary figures this out. In Luke chapter 10, Mary's figuring out what's really important. See if this sounds familiar. Luke 10. Mary sat at Jesus' feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Sounds like Christmas. You probably spent the last month or so buying gifts, wrapping them, decorating the house, putting up lights, fixing the tree, sending out cards, preparing meals, getting everything done. Have you had any time for Jesus? Because last time I checked, it is his birthday. See, we're so busy with the preparation for that one time, we don't have the time for him. There's no room in our heart. It's crowded. Carrying on. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself. Tell her to help me. But Jesus said, Dear Martha, 
you get so upset over all these now it's not in there but I want to put the word in so please allow me little details but there is really only one thing worth being concerned about and Mary's discovered it what is that? it's getting to know the son of God Jesus Christ why? because everything else you do ultimately won't matter if you don't get that right your hobbies are not going to last beyond your lifetime. Your career surely will not last past your lifetime. Your bank account certainly won't last past your lifetime. The only thing that's going to last beyond your lifetime is your relationship with the one who never changes, and that is God. Deuteronomy 8.14 says, Make sure you don't become so full, so full, so full of yourself. And your things that you forget God. That's a principle all the way through scripture. Third reason we don't have any room for Jesus is we don't think we need to make room for him. We have kind of this, in one sense, dare I say it, a kind of self-sufficiency. Well, you know, I'm really doing fine on my own, really. The innkeeper had this. He says, well, sorry, my room is full. My inn is full. Why would I need to add anything more? And a lot of people say that to Jesus today. My life or the rooms of my heart are full. I don't have any room for God. I don't have any room for Jesus. But Psalm 10 verse 4 says this. People are too proud to seek God. Too proud. They do not look for him. There is no room for God in their thoughts. Now the warning in this verse and its context is that the relentless pursuit of material gain can crowd out God's rightful place in your life. Now the deeper reason for our inattention though to God is that we actually don't want a God. That's human nature. That's the root of the sin. In Isaiah 53... It says this, we all like sheep have wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing and gone our own way. Or the ESV says, all we like sheep have gone astray and we have turned each one to his own way. Not to God's way, to what we think is right. So question, why then should we make room for Jesus? Two simple but profound reasons. Number one, I want to know my creator and savior who loves me. He made me, and he saved me. So I need to know that. Now, if I said to you today, hey, anybody like to meet after church? He's going to walk in, Richie McCaw. Oh, well, yeah, I'd like to go meet him. Or maybe you want to meet Adele. You go, oh, yeah, I'd really like that opportunity. But I'd suggest to you, both Richie and Adele are no big deal. No big deal at all. They're just humans who've got some special talents. But if I were to say to you, let me introduce you to God. Because he created you and he has a purpose for your life. I would think you and I would want to be interested in that. Because he's my creator. Look at what the Bible says. Before anything else existed, there was Christ with God. He has always been alive. 
So remember, Jesus didn't just start about 2016 years ago. He was there and formed this earth before it even began. And he himself is God. He created everything there is. This is Jesus. Nothing exists that he didn't make. Eternal life is in him, and this life gives light. You can see where you're going. Light to all mankind. So Jesus helps me to see in the dark what I can't see any other way. So I definitely want to make room for him in my life. Because Jesus Christ made me. But he didn't just create me, he saves me. And the reason he came at Christmas is to die for your sins and my sins. Why? Well, because heaven is a perfect place. There's no sorrow, no sadness, no sickness, no suffering. And that's amazing. I mean, you think that this world's beautiful. It was gorgeous day yesterday, right? This world has got some nice things about it. But heaven is even more amazing. And heaven is perfect, and I am not. And neither, I, by the way, are you. Here's the problem. If God lets imperfect people like you and me into heaven, heaven will become corrupted. You know what date is like. Date is good as long as it's not corrupted. The moment it's corrupted, you get a big problem. You've got to fix it. So if God let all of, the, all of us into heaven with all of our imperfections and our sin... Heaven will be no better than earth. Because we'll be all there with our lusts and our egos and our impatience and our unloving attitudes and our betrayals and our murders and our rapes. That is going to be paid for. Justice is going to be done for that. God doesn't just close a blank eye. There's a, a mathematical equation in justice that has to be satisfied, that the books have to balance. So God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come to earth at Christmas time. And I'm going to send my, Jesus to, uh, to, my son Jesus to live a perfect life in your place. And then he's going to die for your sins so that you do not have to pay for them. They've all been paid off. Then, the only way you're able to get into heaven is by trusting in him. The Bible says this in most famous verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That who... So whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And God made a way for me to become part of his family. That's going to last forever. The next verse, do you know the next verse straight after that famous one? Look at the next one. This is a very important verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. You bad, rotten, naughty, bad people. He didn't do that. But the purpose of him sending was to save the world through Jesus, through him. Also, next verse is John 1, 11 there. He says, He, Jesus, came into the world which belonged to him, but those who were his did not receive him. No room. No room. And they didn't welcome him. Not, come on in, Jesus. No, no room. I'm full, thanks. But to those who did receive him, there's those who do and those who didn't. Those who did receive him and welcome him, he gave the privilege. What an unspeakable privilege. The privilege and the power to become the children of God. 
And here's how you become a child of God. Because they believed in his name. And in that way, I become a part of God's family. And God becomes my father. The second reason I want to open every room in my heart to Jesus is this. I want to enjoy a life of purpose. Not the one that I make up, but his purpose. I want to get on with his program. As an ambassador of Christ, I'm about his business. A life of purpose, a life of peace, and a life of power. This week, guys, I was reading a almost a confession of a very well-known, but shall we name, remain unnamed, business guy. And he said this, that in the eyes of everybody around me, I'm exceedingly successful. But inside, I feel insecure, insignificant, and small. There's a reason for that. I reflected on that. There is something missing in your life. You see, all the position, all the power, all the prestige, it doesn't ultimately satisfy. You were made more, made for more than money. You were made for meaning. You were made for more than success. You were made for significance that will outlast your time on earth. Your life is extremely significant. So significant that God sent and cared enough, he sent his son to come to earth at Christmas. And he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross for your sins. He's saying, you matter to me so much that I'd rather die than live without you. So don't be closed-minded. Don't shut God out. Open the door and be open-minded. Not only does God give me a new sense of purpose when I invite Jesus to come into my heart and take over the rooms and the inner of my life, but he gives me a new peace. I was talking to some friends of mine who, from the church where I first gave my heart to Jesus Christ. I had nobody to tell me I, I needed Jesus. I knew there was an aching hole in my life. I'd been shot with a shotgun. Pain extraordinaire. But let me tell you, when I gave my heart to Jesus in the following months when I first showed up to that church, the peace that came over my heart and closed that hole and healed it, I wouldn't trade it for all the tea in China. It's real. The peace God gives. And he says this in John 14. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. Wow, I love that. Peace of mind and of heart. You see, now, when the weather is rough around you, you carry that peace in your heart so you remain stable through the storm. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace that I give to you isn't fragile like the peace the world gives, which is temporary the world offers all sorts of anesthetics to numb to numb the pain numb the confusion numb the hurt some people one of my friends this week was telling me she goes to movies twice a week the real root cause of that 
is because she wants to anesthetize herself to the realities of the world and the rejection she feels in her heart. When she's in those movies, she loses it. It's only a matter of a few or four days later, and she's back to square one. Doesn't work. The peace I give to you isn't fragile like the world of the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. Here's another wonderful gift that God wants to give you at Christmas. God does not give us a spirit that makes us afraid or fearful. Instead, he gives us a spirit of power, love, and self-control. And those are three things that you and I are going to need in 2017. Power. So you're not just running on your own energy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Not the number of cans of monster I've drunk. The joy of the Lord. An abiding sense of being loved that eliminates fear. See, fear drags you down eventually. It paralyzes you. You run along and all of a sudden that fear grows and grows and grows. And as it does, it starts to overtake you and it drains the energy and the life out of you. But God says here, no, no, no. I want to give you a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And self-control to overcome your habits and hurts and hang-ups and things that pull your life down. I love this verse in 1 John 4.18 from the New Jerusalem Bible. It says, In love there is no room for fear, but perfect love drives out all fear. See, if you feel perfectly loved, even in a relationship, in a human relationship, there's a sense of deep security. I used to notice in the business world, some of my guys were, oh, gee, where's my wife's here? Ooh. And they were worried. They were nervous about it all the time and checking up. There was a fear in their hearts that they'd come home and one day their wife wouldn't be there. Perfect love casts out all fear. The fact that there was no room for Jesus Notice, didn't stop him from being born. It just stopped the innkeeper from being blessed. So how do I make room for Jesus? One, you, you need to invite him in. And some of you here today are considering that. You need to respond to Jesus, just like somebody knocks at the door. Firstly, it's good to open the door. You respond. And you say, Jesus, you made me and saved me. And you open the door. Revelation 3.20 says, Listen, I'm standing and knocking at your door. If you hear my voice, open it. Open the door. And I will come in and we'll lead together. You see, you can get to know God and you can get to know him the way he knows and loves you. Now, I've had a relationship with Jesus for just over 40 years. And it's an amazing, rewarding journey that gets sweeter every year. Deeper and stronger and more satisfying. But all that starts with opening the door. Psalm 37 says this, Open up before God, keep nothing back, and he'll do whatever he needs to be done in your life. What do you need God to do in your life? The Bible encourages us there. 
open up the door and he will do, he'll take care of it. He'll do whatever needs to be done. Let's pray. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And whether this is your first time or your 55th time to pray, I invite you to follow me along, along with me in this prayer. You don't even have to say it loud. What really matters though, let me be clear, is the attitude of your heart. And as I pray this prayer, maybe you want to say, me too, God. What Ian's saying, me too. Dear God, I admit that I haven't paid a lot of attention to you lately. You've been around all of my life. And sometimes I haven't even been aware of it. And I admit that I have crowded my life with so many other things. But I haven't had any space for you. Or maybe I've given you a Sunday or a Christmas service. I've not been able to receive the gifts that you wanted to give to me because there's been no room for them. And I've been overwhelmed by many things in my life that I thought I had to do. All the things actually I wanted to get done. And yes, some of that stress has absolutely strangled me. And I've left me bereft of peace. I've been distracted and I've often missed the one thing that's really important. And that's getting to know you, Jesus, my creator, who made me and loves me. I ask you today to forgive me for the times I've been so full of myself and my things that I just forgot you. And there hasn't been any room for you in my thoughts. And I went on my own way and I did my own things. And sometimes, if I'm honest, Lord, I actually did feel lost. Today I need your help. So this morning, this Christmas, I'm saying that I want to open up all the rooms of my heart to you. I want to get to know you as my creator and thank you for making me. I want to know you as my saviour. Thank you for dying for me. To forgive my sins, I want to believe in you. Jesus Christ, when you split history in two, I thank you that you came and I humbly ask for the privilege of becoming part of your forever family so that I can be with you forever in heaven. I need your power to have self-control. I need your peace in, your, in my life. I invite you to fill every room and to drive out the worry and the anxiety, the fear, the depression, the hopelessness. I don't want to make the same mistake that the innkeeper made. I want to keep the door open for you. So right now in faith, I invite you into my life. Do whatever needs to be done. I thank you in the powerful and precious name of Jesus. And everybody said.